Intentional Danger Fit Podcast. Yo. You don't want it with these LFL type of hitters, interviewers, and critics. Cats all about their business. Yeah, we put it out for every one of our listeners. If the topic's official, we get it popping like crystal. Yeah, we put it on. What you know about that? Sitting back in the lab, E cannon on track. C3 mastermind. Yeah, you know about cheese. Spit speech, unique. Still connect with the streets. See, Taji makes the cipher complete. Round table like kings. 360. Degrees. We on some whole other, so loud, no one to cover, nothing sweet, yeah, we bringing that heat this season three. season three. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. As always, your host, C3, alongside with Todd, Abilius, E. Cannon on Beats. This is Intentional Dangerfield. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special edition this evening. We have two special guests with us. We have Mr. Leonard Sr., and Mrs. Linda Shanklin joining us on the podcast this evening. We'd like to welcome them. How's the day been treating everyone? It's been uh, excellent for me. I, I, I just uh, appreciate the, the invitation to have an opportunity to uh, sit and talk about me, talk about uh, <laughs> talk about what's uh, uh, transpiring with me, and and, and I guess. Uh, each time that I sit down, I, I just recently did a children's book, and each time I sit down with it, it's, it's more of a uh, an emotional situation. I don't know what's going to come out or how uh, the language come out, but the book is based upon a uh, uh, my son. Uh, it's uh, called Mikey P. Poor D. Seasons. Seasoned. And what, what does that mean? Uh, Mikey was a child born in 1972. He weighed 10'5". And Mikey, you remember the old Life commercial? Mikey, Mikey would eat anything. It, yeah. uh, he he likes likes Mike weighed 10'5". His name is Leonard Shanklin Jr. And uh, he would eat anything. <laughs> and, it, and, 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 and the name Pop, you know, I used to sit, you know, I, I got a knack. I always, I like these nicknames. Nicknames uh, to me can be Something that can help. You know, they talk a lot about bullying within the school system. But I often thought about nicknames can help a a, a child get through that bullying. And I mean from this sense is that when I grew up, if you had a big head, guess what your uh, nickname was? Big head. (laughs) But that that took the steam out of somebody poking at you. If you had no neck, they called you no neck. Mm -hmm. So uh, 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 a child would be able to get through that process of bullying and really embrace those afflictions that they have. So so I always had a knack that I would come up with nicknames for uh, people. So uh, uh, Mike, uh, I, I, I came up with P4D where it came from. I have no idea. But it was catchy because he just got a kick out of it. I mean, he would burst into laughter when I called him Mikey P4D. Uh, Mike uh, passed unexpectedly at the age of uh, 38. And... When he uh, passed away, it was an emotional time for me. It's, it's just so unnatural for a child 
to pass before their parent. Right. And then it gives you a chance to sit back and reflect. And I just wasn't prepared to have a child at such a young age. So what, what, what it has helped me to do is to put together this project of this book where it's given me a platform to be able to talk with some young fathers about my pitfalls. These are the things that I encountered. These are the things that you need to look for. And these are the things that you can overcome, especially with building that relationship with your, with your child, because everybody looks at, my family structure, they, they you know, they, they see Andre, you know, Andre Iguodala, who is a, a, a exceptional basketball player, Frank, uh, sure. he, he uh, a, a excellent college player, mm-hmm. could have been in the NBA. He just made a decision he want, didn't want to. But you need to talk about, you know, we, we can talk about all these grand things, but you also need to talk about that 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 spiral, that valley, that peak in that valley, and so forth, like that. And it has been a, a challenging time in our life, but it's been Andre been in the league fifteen years, and it's been a profound ride. I mean, it's been exceptional, but it also had these things, whereas that we had to go through as a family. You know, my mother passing, brother passing, my son passing, and those things need to be talked about with young people that they understand that this is all a part of this total process in growing up and being productive within society. So uh, that's what this book is about. This book is about uh, 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 Mike loved to be in the outdoors. He loved uh, the four seasons. So it talked about those things that we did as a family and what he did individually to, uh, uh, to become the individual that he was. And then, uh, uh, it gives me a chance to heal as a parent and help others to heal. Because one thing I've found since uh, this book is that everybody's going through the same thing, basically. It may be a little modifications, but on the whole, we all have some story about the good and the bad, but we need to be encouraging to keep pushing each other along. So that's basically what it's about. Did you? How long did it take you to put this process together? I, I, I you know, I, I did some research on it, so mm-hmm. I kind of understand it went through some stages. Yeah, it it, it did. Uh, I, I think uh, my wife Linda's here. Uh, I think that she would be a better person to talk about it because. <laughs> and and let, let me let me say it from this perspective. One one thing that I'm good at is stand within the moment. A lot of the things in the past, things in the future, they're pretty dim for me. If if you want to talk about now, I can talk about now. But uh, she she talks about it from a historical uh, perspective. She kind of gets me ready for the day. We just respect. talked about we just talked about that, right? Yes, she kind of gets me, even though I don't like it sometimes. But she 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 tends to get me ready Team, for the day. Teamwork, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I think. Um, from my perspective, uh, as, as your wife and someone who's known you uh, 27 years we've been together, but no, have known you 30-plus uh, years, uh, I, I saw uh, within months of Mike's 
passing that I saw you needed, you had a story and you needed to get that story out. And what Leonard was, in my opinion, at that point in time was a person that uh, was much of a shell type person, you know, an insulated person and not much got out. And it was just for me, I see the beauty in everything. No matter how bad, how good, how in the middle, uh, God gifted me to see the beauty in everything. And I can take the worst of situations and make it sunlight. That's a blessing. And and it truly is. It's truly a blessing. And I saw that in Leonard uh, really before we started dating, but more more specific in the story of his son, that story needed to be told. Uh, because Mike died at an early age, Mike died tragically, but there was a beautiful story and it needed to be told. And so almost immediately I said, Leonard, you got to start writing, just start writing something, not knowing a book would be the end result. Outlet. You needed yeah. to write that story. You needed to see the beauty, not only in your son, but that's your DNA what beauty you brought to him, what beauty you brought into this world, this gift of God. And so you needed to see beyond that. And so it took some time because he's hard headed uh, to get him to get it to writing. Just write, just write, just write. That's all you need to do is just write. And so it got really good to him with the writing. And within two to three years of Mike's death, uh, he started bringing the story to me. I saw a story. At that point, he saw a notebook. And there again, my blessing to see, I can see, I can foresee. And it's like, this is a story, Leonard. So, and he's like, no, just a diary. I'm just writing. I'm just writing. And so what I did know, um, one year we were in California for Christmas, and I didn't know he had bought the notebook with him. And our grandson was seven at the time, yeah. a profound reader. And you could feel the spirit of God in the in the hotel room. And I was, I, I don't know what I was doing in the bathroom, but I could see into the room where they were at. And I just saw this protective spirit just circle, encircle them to, and he gave the notebook to little Dre and I stayed out of the room and I just, watched them from afar and I watched little Dre read the story at seven years old and critique it. And he's, and, and I do, you remember him saying it too. Mm. He said, it's a good story, Paul, Paul, but it's just not ready. Uh-huh. And he told him what he needed to do with it. Took and so in. when we left and came back home, it was at that point, I said, you got to do this, this, you have to share this story, but what we knew in that moment, we were not going to deal with the typical storyline of the tragedy of his mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. We were going to deal with the beauty of his life and what came from that and what God gifted not only uh, Leonard uh, Sr. with the son of Leonard Jr. Leonard Jr. lives on and he lives on through Leonard Sr., and so that, you know, so, you know, the next thing you know, we got a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important was the encouragement from your immediate family on your, you know, uh, confidence on 
finishing and putting the book together? It was actually our two grandsons. Mm-hmm. They were the only ones that knew about this book. Really? It yeah. was between Nana, Nana Papa, mm-hmm. and the two grandchildren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as he, as Leonard got to each stage, the grandkids mm-hmm. basically were dealing with it. And so even before we took it to a publisher or even entered, thought of a publisher, the final, what Leonard felt was the final cut, he took it to the grandkids. And one lives in Philadelphia and one lives in California. And they both had the same reaction Mm -hmm. because the first cut, he took it to Philadelphia. Little Frank said, not quite ready, Papa. And so as Leonard went through the different stages, the grandkids, you know, they kept critiquing it. You know, Papa, do this, Papa, do that. And so Mm -hmm. the final cut, they both said, it's ready. And so... We went and got a publisher, but they were the only ones. I guess the key uh, uh, here uh, for me is that I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm uh, mostly everything I do is held close to the chest, and so that circle for me is very small. So if it doesn't include Linda, if it doesn't include family, normally I don't need. I don't need words of encouragement. I don't need anyone to tell me where I need to go because I'm really spiritually inclined. So I move along that line, if if that makes sense. It does. Oh, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always moving. I'm uh, uh, avid uh, study of uh, the Bible and different things like that. So that that that's really helps me as an individual. Yeah. Our circle has broadened some, though. <laughs> well, see, the, here, it has the thing. broadened some. It, it, it broadens because of Linda's relationship, and I just go along. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you hey, know, you go I'm for the ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I know at, at, uh, we was uh, recently, like Linda said, in Ohio, and it's like, it's at times where that she has to always call me to the side, <laughs> slow down, <laughs> slow down, because at, at times I can be real forceful is that uh, sometimes I need to uh, perhaps choose my words a little bit careful because with me, and you know this, Sean, what you see is what you get. That's, <laughs> just that's, a balance. Just a sense. That's just, why they're your helpmate. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. that sense yeah. of yeah. balance. Yeah. Evenly yoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and it goes both ways. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's times that I have to pull her back. It's like Linda is the uh, last one that leaves the room. It's time to go, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a conversation earlier. It was down memory lane conversation. Mm-hmm. We were at a function. Uh, uh, the office I retired from, uh, uh, 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah. I think they were. They, they it was some type of office get together, whatever. And I was there, and <laughs> we were. It was fun, and it was bar type setting. And uh, he said he was ready to go. Next thing you know, I was going down the soul train line. <laughs> <laughs> and the memory of that day was I got to the end of the Soul Train line and got yanked out. Let's go. So Linda's always, she's always hey. the last person. She she has the last conversation when we're a part of something. But one thing uh, uh, that has, has really been something that's motivating to us is that it, it appears as though each time we 
or a part of something, we uh, uh, come into the room, it livens up the room. It's, yeah. it's like yeah. a light uh, yeah. uh, comes on. So that's what they that's said, what said in Ohio. Ohio last said, week. They said this was the light. <laughs> this, it was so, here. It was so, <laughs> no, it was so quiet. And when Linda walked in the room, hey. it, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> it was lit. Energy. Hey, it's the energy. Yeah. You yeah. give that energy off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, positive. Yeah. This, Heck uh, yeah. A bunch of beautiful in Ohio. It was. It's. It's a lot of beautiful uh, mothers with the uh, uh, that uh, 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 that have children that's in the NBA. And the the key to it is that all of them are the same. They have the same personality. So it's got to be. If if we can take and look at what makes an NBA mother. Hmm. And we can bottle that thing. You, you see what I'm saying? Is that we got, we can send anybody we want to send hey. to the NBA. <laughs> you Where said you something need? on that interview. You said something about um, fathers playing the shadow and the mothers being the, you know, yeah, the up front. Do, but yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about young men. We're talking about mothers. And we're talking about their little boys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. You know, the father goes outside and plays with him or the mom goes outside right, and plays with right. him. But traditionally, mm-hmm. you know, but the mother is the nurturer. So when you're talking about your baby going to this level mm-hmm. of this fraternity, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and um, mom's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's why when they look in the camera, they say, hey, mama. Right. You know, right. so it's yeah. it's that, that bond right. is there. And right. I think it's beautiful. Right. It's, right. It, it's I, I, you know, I, I sit back and I laugh at it. Uh, is, you know, they are mama's boys for life, mm-hmm. but you know, dad may be in the background, but he is definitely that foundation. He and, is and, definitely that foundation. And, and and it takes some adjustment because when you're in the family structure, you're basically that point person. Mm-hmm. When you're in the NBA, <laughs> you're that support person. Yeah. And I've talked with uh, uh, dads of of you know major stars mm-hmm. and. They wrestle with a lot of that. What what has occurred? I mean, because I can buy Linda a vehicle. It may take me five years to pay for it. My son can buy it the next day. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. And and, I, and that's where the mother that's yeah. that's where the it's mother is it's the balance. That's that's where mm-hmm. she has to yeah. step in and she has to keep those roles defined. Mm-hmm. And that is the struggle with uh, the mother's group. And that is something that we who have maintained our marriages, the structure of marriage, the structure of the yeah, family. Who have maintained that marriage. We have, a high, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, it's a high divorce We have a high divorce imagine. rate. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, though, because uh, I would never replace him for a car. Mm-hmm. Because my son can buy it the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom line is how we have existed leading up to the NBA is who is what has made our family. That is what the blueprint of our family is. And no money, no fame, fortune, whatever could ever replace my husband for that. And that is what we as the the mothers, the, the, the females, uh, the support person 
we need to maintain that structure and that integrity. And that is one of the things that, as a member of Mothers of Professional Basketball Players, that is one of the things that when a new mom comes in and she's married, stay with your husband. Mm -hmm. Don't let, because your son came to the NBA, all of a sudden what's been a problem for 15 years, now you need to solve it. No, you, what you've been doing to work on it for 15 years, continue to work on it. And so that is one of the things that I have maintained. And that is one of the, um, I guess, the reasons that we are looked at when we do go into these different environments is that that's the same Linda and Leonard mm -hmm. from day one, June 2004, all the way to um, October 21st when we were in Ohio, 2019. That is who we are. And the bottom line is we don't always agree. We don't always like each other. We have public spats. We have private spats. But we look like everyday regular American families. Yeah, we stood together. But, 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 right. but here's, here's, I think the key has always been for me is that uh, Linda and I started off friends, and that may sound like uh, a cliche, but we started off friends, and what has really kept us bonded is that friendship. Yeah, we, we always we can go back. That. We can always lean back mm -hmm. on that uh, mm -hmm. on that friendship. I remember uh, E forty. We ran into him oh, at the game, yeah. and he uh, we uh, he looked at us and said, "No, we, we were at that parade. We were, what, we were at was the parade. that the parade? Yeah, we were we were uh, where we were lining." Where we were drinking, and, <laughs> and we were we celebration. Just, yeah, yeah, we had just finished the parade, and so it was before we went out there and went okay. on stage. And uh, he, at us, he said, "Y'all still together?" And said, we looked at each other. I, I guess we are <laughs> <laughs> from the last parade and the one before yeah, that. Yeah, I guess yeah, we yeah. because and uh, each time yeah. he 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 yeah. he's recognized us. He he, hey, he knows it's real. Yeah, yeah. forty yeah. real. Yeah. This is, and, and it is not. Uh, uh, like Linda said, it's not an easy thing. It's a thing that whereas that uh, it is uh, a lot of compromising at times, and you know, and 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 just etching out each other's uh, roles and so forth. Because but understanding, uh, not once you have, and that was our that was the when we made our leap. Understanding, you don't mean each other no harm. Never, right. You yeah. did not you marry that, somebody you, or you be get with that somebody. Understood. You get that understood. You get that understood. I'm going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I am going to say things out of order. I'm going to do things out of order. I'm not going to hurt you. Yes. Right. I mean that, you that, no that, harm. That, How long did that conversation or that understanding come? How long did it take? It took that, some years. Yeah, took, yeah, yeah. Now, now, be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, it yeah. took some, probably within the last, I guess, five years. Six years, about six years ago. Uh huh. That's when that conversation. We looked at each other one day and said, "Look, I may be making this mistake, but I mean you no harm, and I never will do you any harm." And that seemed like that is something simple, hmm. but that is major. I, that, if you can get to that, and I, important I, foundation. Start saying, that's start saying very, it early. Like if you yeah. can start that earlier in the start, start, start sure. practicing yeah, that early. Yeah, 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 and that's yeah. one of that's one of the key things when we do speaking engagements and even when we go to the various schools and talk with the kids in terms of building relationships, because the way we focus and deal with uh maybe 
the middle school kids, which is about 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. we, we try to help them first and foremost to understand, don't do this girlfriend, boyfriend thing. <laughs> because anytime you attach a title to a relationship, there's responsibility that comes with that. Mm-hmm. You are not ready for that responsibility. So even in dealing with friendship and dealing with when we go and we speak, in, like we did this past weekend in Ohio, is establishing that relationship on the understanding, I don't mean you no harm, but you have to mean that too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have yeah. to mean that because yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, like he said, the, how we've been together 27 years and mm-hmm. married 20 years and I just see. got it in the last six years yeah. because I come from a family dominated by women mm-hmm. and these some ruthless women. They ain't no joke. Mm-hmm. And so... Pretty much my environment taught me that if somebody even makes a mistake, they mean you harm. And so that's in me. That's that, right. That's in my environment. That's in my growing. That's that's all I know is if you do something to me, you mean me harm. And so we not understanding that's what we're battling until, you know, and it all goes back to in situations where we're allowed to to and we're comfortable with and it's OK to say from a spiritual perspective is once we understood that we wanted to be together, that we did not want to be apart, and the bottom line is we understood coming into our spiritual under, you know, perspective, opening to God and saying, what is going on here? And God opening to the both of us, y'all acting like y'all going to harm each other. And y'all been together all this time, and you still acting like y'all going to harm each other. So it's like, you know, God bringing that to our attention. And then once Leonard said it first, it was like, it seems so simple. It was like, why didn't we get this yesterday? So, but that message has been gifted to us to pass on to the younger generation Mm -hmm. because we didn't have nobody to tell us that because I had not been, as far as my family is concerned, there's no successful relationships. Hmm. It's only two marriages. And so you don't have, and then I'm not in an environment, anybody that's doing what I'm doing, that's attempting to do what I'm doing. And I got a following of women that's saying, oh, bump him, move on to the next yeah. one, you know, like underwear, yeah. men come and go, but mm-hmm. that's not what I wanted. So no one was able to tell us that. So mm-hmm. we're in a position to say that to younger people, mm-hmm. even beyond marriage. First of all, understand you have to be in an environment with people that don't mean you no harm, but you have to know they don't mean you harm, no harm. But in order to do that, you have to be trusting and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But who are you vulnerable to and what situation are you vulnerable to? Let me ask you uh, this, Alshon. Uh, when that was said within your uh, relationship, is it something that you and your wife have discussed? About, uh, about not meaning each other any harm? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because you get to that point where it's like you're defensive and it's 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 automatic, just naturally, because I am my own myself. You know, and when you feel you're being slighted and maybe you've gone through other relationships, then you, you have a guard. Mm-hmm. And then like I've been married one time, so mm-hmm. this is new, but mm-hmm. it's not my first relationship. Mm-hmm. So um in getting married and making that choice and that decision I um I want to make it work. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that has to be there. So the conversations like we don't mean each other any harm. Like you said, it sounds so simple, right. but when you say that, 
like I said, it's something we have to start saying now. Mm-hmm. Being younger, we haven't been married twenty years, and we're all married here. Sure, us uh, gentlemen on the show. Mm-hmm. So, in order to have that mentality and that thought process, and start that now, and like Todd said, practice that. Yeah, then you get yeah. to that point. Yeah. Right. You know, so even before it kicks off, mm-hmm. you you come with that attitude. You know, mm-hmm. come with your hands open. Sure, not not you know yeah. in a in a defensive uh, right. manner. What about you, Charles? What how how do you? Because, see, the reason I'm asking is that uh, how did it take me this long to get here? <laughs> sure, like, well, like you what, said. What, what, was, what, what did I miss? Well, like like you were saying, we, me and my wife were friends a long time before we were married. Mm-hmm. So we've been, I mean, we've been together about 20 years, but okay. we've only been married five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've known each other, you know, and had plenty of time to have some understanding we you know we had a kid as well Mm -hmm. you know my son was born and um it just was just through communication like todd asked and like you said just verbalizing and vocalizing we went through everything you know what i mean you you, you go through it and Mm -hmm. you, you come out on the other side because you do have that understanding where you're not going to mean anybody any harm. Sure. And you, you're just here for the, the betterment of, you know, growing each other and what you've decided to go along with, you know, raising a family and the, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You're leaving did, did, did a you legacy mm-hmm. of where the struggle is not the same, but, it you know, you're encountering different situations and, you know, um, for that next level of where you're at because some of the things that we sit and talk with our kids about uh, similar situations, but different in in, in the approach and and in the outcome. And that's what it's supposed to be. And then even listening to them and how they conversate with their children is supposed to get better because, uh, and, and even the grandkids are able to repeat what my life's motto is, is that your success is based on who you pull along and you have to pull somebody younger along. Each generation is not supposed to experience the same thing and in the same manner. They are supposed to get better. And they and in, in our legacy it it, it it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that was something that was important. You, you kind of touched on it and you hit it right there. Um making a difference from like when when I was growing up, making sure that, you know, my dad was in my life, but he wasn't in my house. Mm-hmm. So being in, that was important to me to, to wake up every morning with my kids in the house. Yeah. Being yeah. around them, making sure they go to sleep. And mm-hmm. then when they go to sleep, they know I was up. And then when they get up, I was already up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. that type of thing. Um, that was very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, I made, and that was one of the things I wanted to make sure that happened. But two or two. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm from, you know, I went to Washington and Lanphier. Those those schools formed me to be the person I am, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I wanted more because I also had friends that were in the same town, but they had different opportunities because they went to different schools. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, being at Springfield, when you have – you know, lawyer and doctor kids in the same school, 
it's going to be given more opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, from just coming from Lamphere, you know, seeing pretty much the only way out is either heavy academically or athletically. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was still limited. It was like either Lincoln Land or, okay, U of I for the academic portion. Yeah. Or if you were, at the time, Victor Chukudebe, yeah. you can go to U of I and play basketball, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, they had kids that were going to Duke, going to all the schools that you could just, that, that you just seen the hats and the mm-hmm. shirts from. Mm-hmm. They were actually just going there. Mm-hmm. Had it in their mind that they, uh, that's where I want to go. I want to apply there. Mm-hmm. You know, their mind wasn't limited. Mm-hmm. Their their options wasn't limited mm-hmm. as it seemed to be where I was from. So I wanted to make sure that you know the education side of my kids' upbringing was going to be at the forefront as well, mm-hmm. and being an intricate part in that development. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 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 let, let me ask, uh, and, and I'm just throwing this on the table. What do you think is the, and, and, and I'll go here first, is that one of the things that I found uh, with being a father was dealing with that emotional part of embracing my child. I think that that was uh, 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 that end. Of the, I, I know that it's always going to be barriers between a parent and that child. It's, it's no because I'm not trying to be my child's friend. That's not not a part of this this whole game for me. That's new but, school. Yeah, yeah, you know whatever that means. <laughs> but emotionally, it has to be a balance of how you interact with your child, uh, 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 especially a male. You know, the way that I grew up is that, you know, you have to be strong as a male. You shouldn't be seen crying and, you know, and et cetera and so forth. What do we need to do now in order to make certain that as a a father that we balance our child with that emotional as well as that strength portion of responsibility of being a man? I think that's... That balance is tough because um, on a spiritual level, I you know just going to churches and and seeing how how that is, you notice like women can connect faster to God. Like they go up and get prayer, whatever, whatever it is. You know they can just be sitting there. They, they don't need to be going up to get prayer but you can see them accept the I, you know the, the, the presence or the, the spirit of God mm-hmm. a lot faster and a lot easier where a man it takes time because it's we, we you know it's it's we're always taught to you better be hard just quit all that crying the show you know and to a certain extent, yes, we do need that, but we lose out on um, we lose out on a feeling that we're we're like we're we're going over a feeling that we're making a feeling that is real and there, 
numb, you know. Yeah. We all yeah. have we, yeah. we have suppressing feelings. The, the real emotion. Mm-hmm. For sure. We all have <laughs> feelings and when it's like, man, don't do that. Turn that off. Well, you start turning it off, you know, after a certain period of time. And I think that hinders you in later on. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want to be seen to cry. And then it, it's just another, it goes on to your son, mm-hmm. his son. Yeah, generation. It, it it's, become, it's become a generational curse. It so, ends up hindering your freedom, though. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, and it, it, does. It, it does. You're free when and, you actually let it go, when you don't right, really care right. what someone else thinks. Right. When right. you're able to express yourself and you're able to express your emotions, it you're able to show the true person that you are and the mm. true gift that you are. Uh, not only to this this carnal world, but you, but what God has given you as a gift, and what um, to some degree I wrestle with with churches is that should be taught. I do understand it should come from home as well, but in some instances they may not understand it. And again, that generational curse, as you speak of, it may not be passed on, but in the teaching of the Bible and in that structure of the church and that teaching that is supposed to be taught, the Bible talks about us in in terms of expressing ourselves and, and showing our feelings through, and all of it is through the spirit. So to say that, um, don't express yourself because it shows a sign of weakness. Now, to some degree, when you're talking about my era of mother, they said that same thing about us as females, that if we show sign of weaknesses, because, see, I grew up during an era where it cost you financially if the male was in the household. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then the women, we had to take over and play that role of the male. So we were being taught the same thing. And mm-hmm. so the bottom line is, is that that's where I think, again, the churches c- can come in and really teach the true teaching of the Bible and teach that it is okay and you should show your, uh, express yourself mm-hmm. and, and, and display who you are because who you are is a gift, a gift from God. And we all have something to offer. But if we are suppressing ourselves, then we are suppressing who we are as an individual and as a person. And we're suppressing the gift that we are supposed to be giving to in, in terms of charity to people, to society. Mm. And so that, the, and that's something I did not do uh, with my sons, uh, you know, uh, at the point prior to the point of Leonard and I getting together, uh, you know, of course they were in a house full of females, but they're, I did expose them to a male world. You know, you get out and I put them in things where they were able to see what men look like, how men acted. And they had an uncle who was 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 very present, but the bottom line is, on the other hand, it's okay for you to stand in front of your friends and hug me and tell me you love yeah. me. It's, and it's okay for you to initiate it. And so the bottom line is, it's okay for you to talk about, you know, I love my grandma, what my grandma means to me. Yeah. And so, you know, and, you know, Andre wrote a book, the the um, the Sixth Man, where he talks about his influences. Uh, from his, from me, his mother and his grandmother, but he talked about all his other male, all the other influences that he had because he had that exposure. Not only his exposure to the Bible, but his exposure to, you know, 
his whole environment and how it impacted him. And he's very, he's very balanced. And I, I think that is one inconsistency we really need to get on target with as far as males and females and what we're passing in our churches, you know, and our other, you know, social service, civic organizations or whatever, that that balance is okay. And I think it will cut down on a lot of misunderstanding and misrepresentation of certain individuals and cultures and races in terms of this race is, is subject to act this way. This race is subject to act this way. In any instant, when you look in today's society, black, white, Muslim, whatever, it is a level of high stress because we don't know how to act. We don't know how to act on our feelings. We don't know how to act when I'm upset about something. But how far do I go Hmm. with being upset? I'm happy. How far do I go with being happy? There's no sense of balance there. Mm -hmm. I I, I do think that uh, the fathers that I have encountered that were hands-on with their their child emotionally, the children tend to be more successful. And, And what I mean by that is that uh, they tend to have a more closer relationship uh, with the father and more closer relationship with the family because, like you, uh, like, like we've talked about, there is a balance. Yes, you need you need a father and a mother mm-hmm. within a, 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 a household. I can't say to make a child productive, but I think that uh, he he or she ends up with less deficiencies if you have that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. And that, that, that's just my feeling. I don't have any uh, research on it or anything like that. I, but I, well, I, I, be- I believe that it's true because yeah, I know my father, you know, me and my father do have a relationship, but he wasn't yes, present. Yeah. And, and it, I just think, um, well, I, I feel I, I can I can say that I know I don't know, but I feel like I know that if there was more of a presence, then my whole life would be totally different. <laughs> Just because, I get it. you know, I get it. you're getting certain advice that I know now that I'm an adult. Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm yeah. getting certain advice that I know my pops would not give me. Right, I know he I would. Get you I know, get so it's, and, and not to say that the advice that I got was wrong. I know. It's just different. It's levels. It's levels. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I think you hit it on the, yeah. It's different. It is. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's just like, you know, like I said again, with, when I was growing up, I always heard in church and, you know, as back in the day when they had neighborhood community centers, no matter where I went, it was always pounded in my head because it was constantly said that a woman could raise a man. No, she can't because she's never been a man. And a man can't raise a woman because he's never been a woman. And so I I was a child that challenged everything. And, you know, and I got hit in the mouth a lot, too. So but because I questioned everything. If it didn't make sense, I questioned it. And it was like, how do you raise a man? You've never been a man. You've never been in the shoes of a man. But again, the culture then was it was uh, it, it had to be taught that way because of the financial risk of a man being in the household mm-hmm. during that era. Okay, so now yeah, we're past uh, that uh, era. Uh, uh, stop. Uh, and you, you understand what we're saying about oh, yeah. the male being mm-hmm. in the sure, household. Sure, but go ahead and, yeah. and, and 
unpackage that a little further for our listeners. Okay. 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 So, so what that is is back in the in 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 the seventies uh, uh, during the welfare era uh, mm-hmm. when you were receiving public assistance. Uh, if a man lived in the house with you, whether it was your husband, your the father of the children, a boyfriend or whatever, uh, the welfare department did house checks. They would come and do random checks to check and see if a man lived in the if any presence of a man in your house. They literally physically went through your house. They checked for clothes in the closet. They checked for in the medicine cabinet if there was shaving cream, any sign of a man. It cost you your stipend for that month. And so that removed men from the house because in order for you to get that check. <laughs> I, I never yeah. knew that. That's real. That's real. That's real, man. They didn't separate us since we got here. Yeah. 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 They've been that's ripping real. apart yeah. the, the black right. family structure yeah. since we got, we got to got this. Yeah, right. And then, and then, it's on purpose. And that's, yes, and, and that's why you, you started hearing, you, you would hear somewhat even in current times about black men not in the household. It's not that the black men were not in the households. They were not allowed to be there because I can remember my dad sneaking home Mm -hmm. and being back out at Mm -hmm. a certain time. And I can remember the non-existence of Mm -hmm. fathers in my neighborhood, in Mm -hmm. in the households. And so the thing is, is that, but you, you did have some families that, did not require public assistance. And so you saw those family structures, you know, the two income, mm-hmm. you know, families, but those who required any form of governmental assistance, mm-hmm. the male was not allowed to be there uh, in, in the house, but we are long past those days. And so we have to move past that train of thought. We we have to change our conversation. Mm-hmm. We have to change mm-hmm. the narrative. Can you imagine the impact of a father sneaking into the house as opposed to being there every day. See, we, we, you, you, I know that, that's, that, that's a, a psychological mind trick. Cause it, when, when you spoke on it, I looked right over at Todd, like, wow. And yeah. that's the exact thought in my head. Think I, about that. Think about sneaking in your own house. I, I can't imagine. It. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, and so when you look at in today's com- when you look in today's conversation, when you look in today's households, I should say, and say, for example, you have grandma or great grandma raising the grandchildren. That's that same conversation. That's that same mindset. And so think of the impact that that's having on that child who's walking out of that house and they're seeing a different narrative outside of that house. But this is what's being taught at home. But this is my bread and butter. So I got a choice. I can either go out here and look at something that's much more progressive or I got to stay here so I can eat and sleep. Yeah. And that, you know, and that just should not be the narrative or or that type of pressure or stress should be put on a child. So in nine out of 10 times, grandma, great grandma is going to church and you got the deacon board and you got all you got the youth ministry group. Mm-hmm. You got the choir. You got all these other structures that can say, sit down and counsel and talk with grandma, great grandma. Can we have this dialogue? Because there are black role, black male role models. There are different things that it's a different conversation. And so it's too many different ways for this child to be brought into the current situation of what's going on in society. It's 
not as bleak as we are discussing it. We are very progressive. Sure, 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 we we sure. we have a we have a healthy agenda, mm-hmm. and we have made major strides. Mm-hmm. We have wealth. We mm-hmm. have assets. Mm-hmm. We are we are smart. We 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 got smart. the academics yeah. and. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to be said. Yeah, you're going to have that little small segment that's saying something different. But, you know, it's always like they say that one mm-hmm. percent is not representative of a whole. But what is the impact of it? Yeah. yeah. But, but, but having these type of forms to be able to sit and discuss what transpired with the black male in the home. It's, it's, it's real important because what, what this can do, this can actually bring a father and son together. Yeah. Whereas that they understand, in other words, a lot of the burden was laid on the father, the reason you wasn't there. Yeah. But it is societal issues that we deal with on an ongoing basis yeah. that uh, affects who we are and how we are as parents. And especially with, this is a good thing having this medium here because when other people have control of our narrative through media and different things like that, we're unable to convey who we are. And we're getting a chance to to do that in in this sense. We can counteract a lot of that negativity that's out there about us. True, definitely. Mm -hmm. You spoke on something earlier in the podcast about key things to building that relationship and that bond with um, your, your child. What are a couple of those things that, you know, a parent could do right now? I'm in a, I'm in sort of a reveal, a, a rebuilding mode with some of my children. And, and, and what I mean by that is, I'm an introvert. And in a lot of instances, you you don't know emotionally where I'm at as a person because I haven't uh, uh, sat down and talked about who I was because I'm still dealing with these barriers of strength. As a male, you know, I got to be strong. And then to actually take that conversation to my children, it may diminish how they look at me look at me as far as strength is concerned and what mm-hmm. that relationship looked like. And one of the things uh, Linda and I laugh about is this, is that, man, I have never cared if my kids like me. Mm-hmm. Love me, respect me, but in, some, in certain instances, you need your kid to like you too. And see, that is something new for me. And, and, and maybe I'll just... Throw that on the table in the sense where I said, let's talk about that. What does it mean? When I grew up, we used to say is that I don't care if you like me. You, This is what we need to get done. We need to move from A to B. But, but in a lot of instances, what you have to do, you have to, and Linda and I have talked about this, you have to look at these kids as individuals. Uh, they, they, they're yeah. part of a whole, yeah. but also you have to take them and look at them it's, it's, it's some, some need some a little different. It's, in our household, it was like, if you didn't make the grade, you couldn't play sports. Mm-hmm. In some instances, you may have to look over that grade. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, one of my children came to me and said, Dad, you discouraged me years ago. 
The only thing I had was basketball. And I didn't make the grade. Now, he's a smart individual. I didn't make the grade. I took basketball away from him. Hmm. So those are the type of things that, that he needed. Still, he, he needed basketball. He needed basketball. He needed it. So those are the type of things now that I'm coming into a, a reflection of. I'm looking in the mirror of and saying, okay, how can I tell young fathers that you need to do something? Don't don't take your kid and put them all in one category. Uh, be flexible with the rules. How does that, uh, you know, it, it may uh, uh, affect the rest of the family, but you got to deal with them from an individual standpoint. Let me so, add, let me so add let something me go to here. that, but you go ahead. So right now I'm in the process of trying to explain that to some of my kids. And, you know, right now, you know, I'm not getting a lot of dialogue back because one thing about it, it's a, a, a thing of res, uh, respect, and it's, it's the way in which they uh, uh, think they need to talk with me. And that's you, what you I wanted what to dovetail into. I wanted to mm -hmm. dovetail into that because when Leonard and I joined families, with Leonard with that mindset and my mindset being totally different, I believe in giving a kid a voice at a very young age. I believe in at a very young age, the process needs to begin with getting in touch with who they are and identifying who they are, being comfortable with who they are, flaws and all. And my kids were allowed to be vocal with me. They were allowed to disagree with me. We were engaged in conversation and Leonard wasn't used to that because it was like they were challenging me or they were questioning me and I didn't feel like it that way because I didn't, I grew up in fear. I feared God. My, I, I think I feared my mother more than I feared God. <laughs> I do not think a child should fear another human that way, right. regardless to if it's your parents. That level of fear, even though Andre talks about being scared of me in his book, uh, he sure did. but that's a different type of fear. That was a different type of fear. But that's how she's explained it. She's right, right. But no, but some, but to, to kids at that time, fear is fear. No, he, he it no, was a different. It was a different. It was a different child, type of fear. Child. Yeah. No, I wasn't the same level of fear that my mom was because no, no, you ma wasn't. no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I know. But because that sounds contradictory because you look in his book, it was like, and when I read that, it was like, did he really say that? I said some things I didn't like he said at all. But he didn't talk to me about it first. But it was it was the fear of uh not challenging yourself. The the the, the fear of you being scared to do something and you not being the true person that you, you know, being who you are and connecting with who you are and then also not taking responsibility for yourself. That was the level of fear that I had in them is that I, number one, I raised my kids to get out of my house. You're not going to be at home yeah. with me all your life. And you're not going to get used to living here. You're not going to figure out a way to help me pay rent. <laughs> I can pay my own rent. And if you get out, the utility bills ain't that high. I can afford them. So, you know, I, I raised them on that concept to be a man and to stand on your own two feet and to be self-sufficient. So that was the level of fear that I had with them. But we would sit down 
on a daily basis, and I did it with my sister's kids. We had that moment in the day when they got out of school, got their homework done, and uh, we were preparing for dinner. It was an hour every day, seven days a week, that hour you had to talk to me. You had to tell me what was on your mind, what was going on with you, what even happened in that house that you didn't like. I told you to wash dishes. If you got, let's talk about dishes. You don't want to wash dishes. Let's talk about why you don't want to wash dishes. Just so tough. just having that conversation, that dialogue. But the biggest thing was nobody better not come home and tell me my business. You my business. So Frank in a high school game, I think it was in Bloomington, he flipped off the whole crowd. Frank came home and told me. Now, a little busy mother called me and told me shortly, but it was like, you better be the first. Now, that level of fear, if you got to outrun that bus to Springfield, you better be the one that come home and tell me you flipped that whole crowd off. But you don't decide... For me, it, it was it, and how we got to that level was getting them to understand your thought process. How long did it take you to think about it before you did it? Because we don't think that way, or, or at least nobody challenges us to think about. Even if it's a split second, you still had a, a half a split second that you thought about it. So you had a choice. You got to make you got to make a good decision. And if you decide to go ahead and do it anyway, then while you're thinking about still going ahead and do it, you're thinking about the consequences. Mm-hmm. You thinking about either how I'm gonna get out of this, either I'm gonna lie to her and I know I better lie good, or I'm gonna tell the truth and accept responsibility mm-hmm. for it and whatever the consequences are, and if that's getting my butt whooped or I'm getting on punishment. I am accepting responsibility. And that is what we have to start instilling in our kids at a young age. Kids do not want to be responsible Mm -hmm. or held accountable. And the earlier you make them accountable and responsible, the less dumb stuff they do. And that's what I tell my kids. I used to tell them all the time, as young as four and five years old, had you thought about that? What would we be doing right now? So my adult children and my adult nieces and nephews right now, conversation is Aunt Linda and mom, she would just talk you to death. Yeah. So we stayed out of trouble so we would not have to have these conversations. Yeah. So that level of fear, but the yeah. earlier you get them to understanding who they are. But see, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. That's another perspective you have to look at what is your dna what what goes on in your family what is going on in your environment i have alcoholics i have dope fiends i have pimps i have murderers i have all of that in my family in my dna they need to know that yeah Yeah. they need to know that because the first time my two children told me they tried alcohol it went down good The first time I tried alcohol, it went down good. And okay, but now, but so what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. So now even at 57 years old, I drink my limit and I stop. Mm -hmm. There's no need for me to get drunk because I cannot get drunk. I have an alcoholic in me. I'm not an alcoholic, have never been an alcoholic, but I was 
blessed to be positioned number six of seven, my mother having the youngest children and living in an environment. I grew up during the Black Panther era. Mm -hmm. So I saw, I was that child that was seen and not heard. And I saw all of this. I had no desire to put a needle in my arm. I had no desire to put an acetate. I I looked at, I was a child. I don't want that to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And then I saw a drunk father being taken out of his car, being pulled into the house. Why do I want this? I don't want to do all that. I was a believer. Yeah. But I shared all of this with my kids. And they needed to understand life is real. Life is not, it's good for you. They didn't have to go through what I went through. But you need to understand you can. And it could happen to you. This needs to be discussed with them. And I had these conversations, but nor did I shy my kids away from those family members either. I took them to Kansas City. Yeah, that's that alcoholic I was telling you about. And you need to stay away from, you know, the kids want that. They want to be fed knowledge. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're going to eat something. Let, Let me ask this. When I mentioned about not... Uh, it wasn't important for me to be liked by my kids. It was as though it was like, I, I don't know what type of reaction I got. I don't think it was positive. What do you feel about me saying that? What What did you, how how, how do you deal with your kids? Is that a, a, an important uh, a por- a part of uh, having a relationship with your child? Well, I think it's 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 two-sided coin. I get what you're saying as far as the friendship, but being friends with, you know, buddy, buddy. I mean, I have a relationship with my 16 year old and it's not the same I have with my father. Um, I'm not saying my dad did it wrong. I'm just doing it a little different. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on his phone. Mm-hmm. He has his own phone. Um, it's I, I have to approach it differently. And with him, um, I keep it real. You know, I tell them you got four years and you could walk out. I mean, really two more years. and You can walk out this door and never turn around and say two words to me ever in life. So I do want that friendship with my child, but um, uh, I'm, I'm still the father. Um, we, I, I work with them. You know, I, I try to meet him halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to give him a little bit of responsibility and then see what he does with it. And whatever, good or bad decision or choice he makes, we, we have a conversation through it. I don't put my hands on him mm-hmm. um, because I fear that I put my, my hands on him and he wants to get, you know, buck back up with me. Then I got to be extra. And before you know it, we're, we're both fighting mm-hmm. and we love each other. So I don't want that relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he's always been too intelligent for, you know, the, the belt. You know, there's times I've had to get him, sure, 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 sure. but you know, you could talk to him, and yeah. he, he never really made uh, bad bad decisions as a child. He's a, a younger child with older siblings, so he learned. Mm-hmm. He, he was he was advanced, you know, really quick. So with him, it's more I need to talk to you and get into your mind so that you learn to use your mind mm-hmm. um, and 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 be aware of your situation. Because I live in a time where my 16 year old is driving. You get pull, <laughs> you get pulled over. Yeah. Um, 
what mentality do you need to have? Mm-hmm. You need to be a strong male, strong black man, um, but you also need to be smart and know when to stand down and also be respectful and not look at standing down as um, you uh, not being who you are. Right, Being right, smart right, in the situation. Right, right, right. right you know, right, right. Uh, I don't need you to be tough and be gone. Right, right, yeah. right. I need you to be smart and we can talk about it and say that was a good choice you made. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, right, so right. I... Um, what about you, Ty? What, how do you... How do you what what's your child liking you? Because that's never been uh, uh, an emphasis for me, but I'm finding that that is part of that barrier between us. Go. It, it, it's it, it's a tough balance um, because I I have a my son, and then I have two step children, so I'm getting to see. Uh, I'm getting to see where I, I I've gone wrong with being a l- more lenient, and and that's probably just because I feel that it is not my child, and just 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 because you know when you're in a, when you're in a situation when you're a, a step parent. There's different types of <laughs> there's different types of boundaries, you know. Like I already know, Jariah. Look, you came for me, so there's some things that you gonna experience more than you gonna get. You gonna get it fast, quick enough. And I don't have. And I don't have any. I, I don't have any. Uh, I'm not trying to be your friend. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not. I don't have any. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but I know this. I'm not going to have any friction from my wife because you know I may. I used to have friction when it was just her and the, and her kid or mm-hmm. the girls. Mm-hmm. And so I was pro- I probably a little bit more lenient, but then sometimes you don't get the respect that you think you should have. And then then it's like, oh, well, now I got to turn it on. And yeah. now yeah. they're like, well, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah but th- you as being older, you would think, you know, you see how they act over here when. She says something, <laughs> okay. But then when you say something, it's like, oh, let me play the lines a little bit. <laughs> You're a test So, You're so a test. I've, I've gotten to see, you know, it, it's, and I'm still balanced. I, I don't, I don't, I can't 100% tell you this or that. I'm still fighting to get that. And so, I get it. I get and it. so my son, you know, he's rough. You know, <laughs> he, he, he's you. He, he's rough, and so he's you, man. Times um, ten. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I, I want him. I don't know, man. It, it's, it's, it's just tough because I've, I've tried this and I'm tried that, and I, I think I've been a little bit more hard on my son just because. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, just, it's, just it's how that works. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, he's the son. But I have to learn too mm-hmm. 
that I can't do, I can't go as hard as I think I should have to because there's certain things like, as far as like whoopings and stuff like that. Man, if I did anything when I was a kid, it was, <laughs> you about to get that belt. <laughs> you know? And and it, was, it was your mom and grandma. Oh, yeah. And you was going to get it. It was your mom and grandma. Oh, yeah. Not your father. Oh, yeah. Miss yeah. Reed down the street. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And well, see, and then in today's society, you know, having come all of these years, and, and, and your point is so on target, you know, with Leonard being a stepfather to my children and me being a stepmother to his children, it 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 was easier for me. It's always easier for the mom. It's always easier for the mom. Because a lot of it. Be. Yeah, but it not only be, that, definitely. it's that the father is going to make certain that it's easy for the mom. Yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. whatever comes, what uh, what if someone crosses a line with Linda, one of the children. They got a problem. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, it's, sure. it's a difference. Yeah. It's but a I was a good balance for. for yeah, but it's still it's still a difference. It's still it is it is a major difference difference because so much is put on the father. But one thing that I heard you said, Todd, is that you're doing different things. You're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That is so important in it, because it's not a straight line to this thing. This thing goes like mm-hmm. this. And then also uh, uh, being a stepfather, it's a big difference. It's a difference with the, when they talk about the blood. Mm-hmm. The blood is important, man. Yeah, really- but another critical point mm-hmm. uh, Todd made was about corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. And how that was the only discipline that we grew up with. And we are not only, that is not the only thing that we're doing with our our children. Is that I didn't touch my kids nowhere near the level that I was touched. And being a grandparent now, we have four grandchildren. I, 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 we no, we don't, we don't. Well, for one, is grandparents. We don't parent it. We're not spanking, whooping, yelling. I got, I got. That's no, not doing they're, they're mad at me now because <laughs> I tell them, I said, ice cream. I don't care, you know. And they look at me and they, they really watch. Hey, man. They, 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 they really. Oh, ain't no this. They, they, they oh, really watch me. <laughs> I'm not being a parent in them. I am a grandparent. Whatever they want to do, as long as they don't get outside of this boundary, it's okay with me. Hey, and I understand that, too, because that's how my mom is, too. She's like, you can't tell me what to do. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I just... Pay app or one of them pay apps. I just said, "Well, he." I said, "You want some money for your birthday?" He said, "Yeah." I just sent him some money, cash app, and he's like, "He already know what he's doing." But the bottom line is, is that what what I liked was going to say. What I liked hearing you say, Todd, was we have to that part of teaching them to be responsible for themselves takes away from you having to lay your hands on them for good behavior. They should learn to behave on their own and there should be other methods of punishment now i'm not saying because at least two the two oldest grand boys now i don't warm their bottoms 
now, because I'm not going to just completely say I'm not going to warm a bottom. And, but Paul, Paul, don't. Paul, clean. But, no, I, 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 <laughs> she don't set me up enough. <laughs> but, I, I, but, but, but I've not really had a whole lot of, I think I've only spanked them one no, time in 12 no. years. I've only spanked them one time. But That's a good average. That should that not, they should learn, that should not be, the only way I can behave myself, you have to put your hands on me. Mm-hmm. And that leads to, as you get older and older, that self-discipline is, I got to have somebody putting their hands on me or, you know, that's, that, that sense of self-control and thinking before you do stuff is that. And, and, and we have those conversations with Frank and Andre even right now when they call us at different times and say, you know, the grandkids is doing this and the grandkids is doing that. And so it's like... You know, and I have that conversation with them, mm-hmm. giving them suggestions mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you used to beat the hell out of us. <laughs> what, what they want to hear is that, beat them down. Beat them down. <laughs> but it's like, I did not know anything different. That yeah. is how I grew up. And that was the only thing that I knew how to do. So it's like, but just think back to, and, and you hit on it too, Sean, and that is so important, is that you look at, what because my mom was the she was the you know the one parent that was consistently in my life i look at what i did not like she did i threw it out and i yes. came up with my own yep. and then what i liked that she did i tweaked it and i made it better and so that's the primary conversation that i have with them about their kids what did i do that you didn't like or that you did. And, and I mean, we get good dialogue out of it. We get really, really good dialogue and really good dialogue from Dre from the standpoint, Dre's on the road all the time and yeah. he misses that of being there every single day with his kids. And so now he's in between teams. And so he's calling me and I love it. He, I just talked with him Wednesday and it's like, I'm picking him up from soccer practice and we getting yeah. ready to go to, you know, basketball practice. And then um, last season, as soon as the season was over with, Lil Dre had a tournament in Portland and then all of us flew to Portland. And even though Big Dre had to go sit in a corner because he's Andre Iguodala mm-hmm. and Lil Dre, you know, Lil Dre, he flaunting, he, he like... <laughs> Y'all leave my dad alone. So, you know, it's like, but just, you know, just to have all of that, you know, there and supporting him and what it does for for Big Dre is is that that's what, well, until we got married was, you know, something he didn't experience earlier on with, with his dad. And so the bottom line is, is that what our blessing is, it's a lot that Leonard and I, blending our families, were able to, a blueprint that we were able to establish and now is carrying over into our grandchildren. And so, you know, that is the forward thinking that families have to have is what do I want this blueprint to look like when this kid turns five, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20, 25 years old? I don't want that to look like pre-slavery. I want it to look like after the civil rights Mm-hmm. And I want them, see, and that's where I wrote a paper. I'm a psychology major, and uh, I wrote a paper on where, we, where we're where we stuck as a, a, a culture. We're, 
nobody has stepped up after the civil once the civil rights movement hit we stopped right. yeah it's been stagnant like and it's it. been stagnant mm -hmm. and we don't have uh that group which they're there they just haven't identified themselves yet they uh they they truly are the millennials and they just have not identified themselves which we were talking about earlier, not not raising up that hand. Yeah, but, yeah. but here, here, I'm the Martin Luther King. Yeah, man. but here, here's know? here's the thing: is that what we decided on, we achieved it, and this is what I'm saying: is that they said segregation or integration. We chose integration. You can't find in any profession that we have an excel. Yeah. Doctors, uh, uh, anything you want, scientists, astronauts. We're billionaires. We, we, yeah. but, but we're that hidden. We're, we're not shown. They're not showing what we're doing. They are making us the face of AIDS. If you look on TV, you'll think the only person with AIDS black man. Yeah. is a black man. On billboards. On billboards. And, and I had that conversation with my son the other day. Mm -hmm. We were driving and I saw it. Mm -hmm. And then I broke that down to mm -hmm. him that, you know, this is what you're saying to me. These are college age uh, guys. So you're telling me they're not smart enough to use protection? Right. right you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and this is. And that every one of us are homosexual? Mm -hmm. you, you, you sit you, you're feeding us that narrative. You're feeding us that start that, to buy that, into and, it. And, and then when you look on TV, every black woman is a lesbian. Those are the roles yeah, that they, they have. They definitely have roles. They have, if that's, that's everything that's, that's negative, that ill in society is put on our shoulders, but they're not talking about how we all, how we was given integration and what, how we have, have so, excelled. Everywhere you look at, yeah. everywhere you look, you see us in some prominent uh, area and progressing at a high level mm -hmm. because that's who we are. So It's not highlighted. Not, yeah, it's not highlighted. But see, here's the thing that when I talk with other males, other parents, when we go places, they always want to look down on the present generation. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. I see excellence. I see individuals navigating through this entire process and becoming productive, but that's where we come in to make certain that we lend a hand to them and, and encourage them. We don't talk negative. We got to, the, that's the reason uh, our shows like this, whereas that we can get that narrative all out and start to talk about it and so forth, because I see nothing but positive with kids. I'm sorry. The I don't see, I don't kids. see it negative. They're always going to be the future. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and we Always. and we right. we have to do more of investing in them, and that was one of the mm -hmm. conversations we had with one of the uh, mothers at uh, at this forum that we were at this past weekend. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why they, I don't know why they want to bother me. Well, she wasn't real happy because <laughs> that's not the person. And, and, and that's and that's the thing. And see, that's the thing you say with as far as women <laughs> and how to. our voices are heard, and we have to be careful about what we are saying. And when we have the opportunity to speak on something that we think about what we are saying or we really should just be quiet or defer because one of the things that this mother said was this current generation is out of control. 
they're animals, and we need to do something about it. Okay, so to say that, are you taking responsibility for a child? Because I I had a family member that her child is not doing well in school. He's completely failing. So my first question is, then you're failing. No, I'm not. I did everything I was supposed to do. Not while he's still under your watch. <laughs> you have not it's done everything. Yeah. And so... I, I have to know when to cut my conversation off too, because this you you got to know when you're falling on deaf ears too, mm-hmm. and you have to also know when you're not having an impact at all. They're not listening. But the bottom line is, what we have to accept as a society that if our children are failing, then we are Real failing. Fail. So it's one thing to hold the school districts accountable. It's one yeah. thing to hold law enforcement accountable. Who does that child go home to? Because I always go back to, and this is a comment, is it's a lot of mothers don't like that I say it. I go back to the Bill Clinton era. And when Bill Clinton signed that drug bill, we, the black mothers, told Bill Clinton to send our kids to jail. We said that we wanted to deal with drugs. It was out of control. Crime was out of control. Drug dealing and the rap music and all of this. And Bill Clinton said, what do you want me to do? Black mothers stood there while he signed that bill and Mm -hmm. said, send our black sons to jail. And that is what happened. We talk about all the negative and ill and, and terrible things that have happened to us as a race, as a culture. We got to accept responsibility for what we have self-inflicted. Yeah. The bottom line is my son is having issues in school. My son is selling drugs. My son is using drugs. My son is in a gang. That didn't just happen. Somewhere my parenting skills failed Mm -hmm. because my sons grew up around the corner from the John Hay homes. To get them out of a house full of women, I sent my sons around to the John Hayham. Go around there and get into a fight, boy. Do something that is that males do. You are not sitting in this house, sitting around listening to a bunch of busy women. Uh-huh. My sons didn't go around there and see drugs. My sons didn't go around there and go to where we know it's a shoot and go hop. My sons went around there and to this day. A lot of what was bore out of the John Hay homes in terms of relationships, they still have that relationship because parenting skills said you can go around there and interact with that stereotyped complex. Your people. Yeah. Your people mm-hmm. and come out okay. Yes. My kids never looked up to drug dealers. They never found anything fascinating about it. When they listened to, I allowed them to listen to rap music. The only rapper that ended up being played in front of me, around me, was Snoop Dogg. They said that was the only person they liked at that particular time. But you have to explain to me what he's saying, what message is he saying, and why do you like listening to him? They were able to convey to me that they were able to put in perspective him using the B word. And, and I know he's not referring to my mom. He's It's just entertainment. It's just a song. Well, then you can listen to him because you can explain to me. You can articulate your thoughts to me. So I say all of that to say, again, 
We have to take responsibility for our children. We cannot say that these kids that's just out here in their wayward, that they come from a decent home and they just turned out bad kids. Mm -hmm. No, they didn't. Mm -hmm. My mother has seven children, single mother. Four years of my life, she was in a wheelchair. We all made different choices. We all made different decisions. Some she influenced, some she did not. But it still went back to her. I had a brother that spent the majority of his life in jail. My mother has to take responsibility mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Why is he the only child out of seven that went to jail? His choices. So you, you have to, yeah. good, bad, whatever, mm -hmm. you have to take responsibility as a parent. And I just don't like this current. We're on the tail end of the baby boomers, and that's getting into... I think the baby boom. I'm 62, and maybe baby boomers go to 64, 65. You were the end. No, as I no, think, no, no, is it 62? 62 was the end. Okay, that influence is still there. The baby 62. boomers are the result of the Civil War. Not Civil War. No, 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 no. <laughs> listen to what my listen to. Okay, no, no, no. okay, I get it. I get I get. I see where you hear. I wrote a paper on this. <laughs> I, I see where you hear. I see where you hear. I see where you hear. But let me let me let me rephrase. Okay. So I'm beginning to start that our okay. influences in terms of the people who impacted us leading up to the baby boomers. It does go as far as the Civil War. Yes. It goes through slavery. It goes through the Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. It goes through all the way up to the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. And if you look at through each one of those eras and you get to the baby boomers, everything was laid out for us. Everything was given to us. But what was not given to us was responsibility. Social conscience of us taking over and leading, us being beyond civil rights, us making a difference. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. When it was given to us and laid in our hands in civil rights, we became stagnant. You still have baby boomers that are living at home mm -hmm. wow. with their mother, mm -hmm. their 80, 90, 100 year old parents. Mm -hmm. So, what did we pass on to our children? Just get a job and don't shake the tree. Don't mm -hmm. rattle anything. Just go in a corner and stay quiet. Mm -hmm. Come <laughs> home at this time and stay out of the light, you know, or whatever. No challenges. Right. No encouragement to, okay, we take over from where what we did not do. So that is what is still in some of our ears. And so that's why I say when you jump to the millennials who have yet to, ide to identify themselves is they are stagnant to a degree because you still got baby boomers who are saying to them, don't do that. This mother that we sitting and talking about, we encountered this past weekend. They just bad. They're terrible people. Mm -hmm. So they stuck between that feeling of that spiritual feeling of I got a gift, I got a gift, and no, nah, maybe I shouldn't say something because I chose not to go to college, or well, you know, I went to jail when I was fourteen. You still have that gift. Yeah. You still yeah. have something that God gave you. God anoint. Having our children to understand your journey is anointed and appointed. And we helping them through the spirit to step into those anointed and appointed shoes and do what your journey, your journey is set for. We still have 
baby boomers that is stagnating things that are still saying having that negative non-productive conversation <laughs> let's think about this uh civil rights what was it 1963 62 when was that 60 60 it was a 60 because 60, i was five 60, years 62? old i was five years old when martin luther king got killed Okay, so I think 60. So it's, it's pretty much the I think it's like 62 in. or something. Like, but just think about this. If it's 62, that's only 56 years ago. Right. Yeah. Because I'm just saying, But just, just think about yeah. it's just, it just happened. And we're putting all this on our shoulders. Still. After being brought here. To this country and in doing uh, 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 slavery. 400 years. 400 years. It just ended August the 20th. To August 21st, 21st. 19, uh, 2019. And what we have achieved, just to be alive and to have breath in your body is a major achievement. On top of the the real achievements. That's what I try to convey to older individuals that talk down on what we have achieved and what is wrong with us as a, 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 a group. It's only been 56 years yeah. with civil rights. Mm -hmm. And yet we still rise. <laughs> we Tear, all, tearing our family apart at the border. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, terrorizing, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, one, it's one thing because I, I, I like to strategize and plan things and I tell these guys and I tell my kids you know when you put a good plan together it's hard to beat it but we have and we are you know what I mean that's, <laughs> I that's, that's one example you. where yeah. we have been systematically identified and put plans in action against and yeah. still have yeah and you can't and you are anointed you can't we we as humans we we have this mindset that we have all this control and when we get a feeling of uh, thinking that something or someone is trying to prohibit us from doing this this and this we don't understand we fighting against the spirit of god and we try to wage a war against god Number one, you can't wage a war against what you cannot see or feel. That's the problem. And that is what is going on in this current state of this world right now. The narrative is they are trying to, they being the, the people of power, they are thinking they can go to war with God. And they are stockpiling money and assets and weapons of mass destruction or whatever to do what? Fail. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you know what that means. Have only one person, even in the Bible, is noted. If, if I'm correct, is is actually seeing God mm -hmm. and how it's been but, quite. A, it's quite a few. But how he? But even in those instances, how he revealed himself. Mm -hmm. So it's like. To wage that's insanity within itself. <laughs> yeah. It really is. That's insanity. Yeah. It really is. Just yeah. to just to uh just to think that how the earth is on its orbit and if it moves a half an inch, 
it floods the whole United States. That's that's great. Just think about that is nuts. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to be in the universe spinning, <laughs> you know, and not flying in the sky. Oh you know, boy! <laughs> so and when and, and when they start to talk about uh, uh, start to tell me what is not, I can tell you what is. Yeah. On an ongoing basis, and just for us to be sitting at this table because this is not by accident. No. It, it it is a testament to what it is, mm-hmm. and it is him. Period. And I don't. And we got to get that message. Continue to get that message to the children because they because know it's it. important. They know. They know when it. when we when we travel. They know it. They they talk about. They know it better than the, we do. They, they know, man. These kids are able they to sit know. down and talk with you. They know about God. No, they, they, they can talk know, to man. You and they, it's not scripted. Right. right. It is and not we're moving scripted. all around the United States. We're moving north, south. everywhere. And when we sit down and have these conversations, they take over. Uh, uh, we have a, 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 a set of uh, what uh, uh, Linda's mother brought in. Uh, uh, some 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 twins. They was you know they was what well, and I don't know how to. I'm gonna have to figure out how I'm going to address who they are. But I I, I need to say that they started off through the, the DCFS system, mm-hmm. foster care, the foster care system, and they were three weeks old. Six, they came six weeks six old. Weeks they came to uh, Linda's mother, and uh, when they got. 10, what was it, 10? About 10, 11 years. 10 or 11, we, we took over uh, rearing them. At this uh, particular time, each of them have a master's degree in psychology. They're 27 years old. Mm. And uh, one of them came back home recently, this past summer, and we were sitting talking about these very things that we're talking about. You, you would think that, uh, that system would indoctrinate you and you would think along the lines of what's in this book and what's been taught in this book. She got it. She she has it, man. I'm I'm sick. She has it. I had to sit in amazement. Yeah. Because she understand who she is, where she headed, where she came from. And it was just really just Profound and just it was overwhelming. I went there, I had to take a nap, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They, they are, they, 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 are, they, they are, are phenomenal. They, they are, are phenomenal. They are just one uh, has a master's in child development and she runs child development centers and they're 20, 29 years old and she travels. They're not 29. I they thought they were 28. 27, 28? Yeah, something like that. But I don't want to put she, no more years on She travels. <laughs> this is a, a company that's franchised with child development centers, and she travels around the United States, and she trains them. And the other, she has a, a master's in uh, 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 clinical, psych- clinical psychology. psychology, and she's a psychologist, and she has a contract. She is contracted through the state of Florida uh, with working with bringing families, the children that are in the system, DCFS system, with merging them back with their families. And she, and so, she counsels the families. So, uh, I, and, 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 and this is not, uh, uh, this is not uh, uh, atypical 
when we travel around the United States and sit with young people, this is the same narrative that we're hearing mm. from them. They are achieving. And, 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 and if they're not achieving, they're trying to absorb. And one of the beautiful things about Linda and I, kids love to be around us. Mm-hmm. Huh. They, I mean, it's like, man, I got to go. But they and, and, and that's easily believable because U2's energy is genuine and pure. I mean, you can really tell it from a non-vocal sense. It's just, it is what it is. It's genuine. So, and I think that children are a better gate of that because they don't have the teachings and the barriers that we put on ourselves as yeah. adults. Mm-hmm. So they're easier to use that and in, in to, to know. And like one of the things you were saying, you're not, um, you wasn't big on, being a friend of your child, well, I think she hit on something too. I didn't, I was the same as you. I'm not my child's friend, but I don't want my child to be afraid of me. Sure. So with my personality, trying to make sure that doesn't happen, that friendship developed anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because of it, we are, he's half of me, we are a lot of like, and we we just enjoy the same things a lot sure, of times. Sure. Even though he doesn't enjoy, like if I had the top five things of myself that I liked, he doesn't enjoy those things. But in the top 25 things, <laughs> he's in the rest of the 20. Because like you said, we do a lot of things. We're not just one, two, three. No, we're trying to canvas a lot of things sure, sure, so sure. We, we 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 have a lot of things in common in that regard sure yeah, this this is such an excellent form it, it, it is that, i have I mean, to reflect uh, back uh and that's funny you said um how this is just not by happen chance that we're here because some of the stuff that we're talking about Leonard and i have been reflecting on it the last couple of weeks and sure, it's just kind of weird because just before it got cold we were sitting out on our sun porch and uh I was watching something on TV and it brought me back to the first year Dre was with the Philadelphia Andre, cause I call him Dre. Sorry about that. Uh, he was with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, his then financial uh, representative had me go and speak at a school in New Jersey. And I had never like really just did speaking like to just groups of people. I did, you know, in my office and training and all of that, because I, 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 I ran uh, a construction and procurement department. So, you know, maybe you have 15 people in a room. But I mean, so I went to this school that was featured on a show where they would I forget the name of the show, but they would have the family leave for a couple of days and then they would come in and completely remodel the house. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. So they did this school like that in New Jersey. And so this was like the grand opening of the school. And my second oldest grandson was maybe four or five months. And so his mom put this together. So anyway, we go to this, I fly to New Jersey, we go in and I have no clue what am I going to say to these kids. And so there again, you know, you just say that magical word, Jesus. And so I go in and 
you know, you can just, God just had me go in and look at these kids and, you know, all, you know, all this formal stuff is going on. Kids, it, I mean, even as an adult, it's hard to get me to sit for 10 minutes. And so uh, my grandson started just acting out with his mom and she just, she just had no control of him and he wanted me and I was like, just give him to me. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And, you know, in that moment, God said, they had the kids sitting on the floor. And in that moment, God said, just go sit in the middle of those kids and start talking. So I had my grandson who instantly calmed down. I had on some nice little heels. I took the heels off. I sat right in the middle of the floor and sat him in front of him. And I, I had him firm. And I said, Nana said, hush. <laughs> And he just sat there drooling and playing whole hand in his mouth. And I just began to just talk to these kids. And so I didn't talk to him long. That was the first time I learned. Don't sit there and talk to these kids that long. <laughs> you losing them after 10, 15 minutes. And so after that, it was like, okay, guys, I got to go. But, you know, I asked him for a promise. I said, they were freshmen at the time. I said, if I can get 100% of y'all, it'd be good, but I'll take as many as I can. I need all of y'all graduated from this school, and I need that same number. I need y'all to go to college or at least commit to go to college. And so I just made up a saying, you know, something Jesse Jackson sort of, I will, and they did it. And so one kid was like, can we ask you questions? Sure. And they weren't questions, they were comments about, I sat down on the floor with them. They could not believe Andre Iguodala's mom, NBA, blah, 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 blah. She sat in the floor with us and they were like, thank you. And it was more comments. And as I was walking away, it was like, she sat on the floor with us. It was just that constant, she sat on the floor with us. So uh, we come to 12th grade graduation, all those kids graduated. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's All awesome. those kids graduated. Mm -hmm. I had totally forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. I done moved on, and I'm just out here talking, having the time of my life. I got the audience or whatever. And uh, my grandson's mother, she said, do you remember, you know, 12th grade, they graduated, this happened and that happened? I was like, yeah. She said, all those kids graduated. Wow, mm. that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How was your guys' approach to your kids is education. Oh, no nonsense. That was, it's a must. That was paramount. It was paramount a must. Is. But the motivation was, if, if, if I can start off, mm -hmm. uh, I went back to school with them. I never liked school. Mm -hmm. I never, from K to 12, I did not have a good experience. There's, I'm sorry, I, there's not a teacher that I can put a finger on and say had an influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like school at all. I made it out by the hair of my chinny chin. <laughs> and yes. so when um, I looked at, um, I had two black males, and I looked at the state of society and what could potentially occur with my two black males. I, uh, ninth grade with Frank, ninth grade with Frank, eighth grade with Andre, I, I went I went to no, it was actually before then. They were sixth and seventh grade. 
there was Brown's Business College here in Springfield. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do. It was a non-accredited school. Uh, I started sitting down and looking at, okay, I'm going to go back to school, but I, I didn't have any confidence in my ability to to achieve in that institution. And so I knew Brown's was not accredited, but it was a test to see what my intellect was like. How smart am I? Yeah. Because I had no good influences or anything. And uh, it was there where a teacher had an influence on me. And I then that's when we met. And it was like I got in the accounting program. Hate math. I still hate math. <laughs> and uh, I excelled. At every level, I excelled, and I was like, "Damn, I'm smart." <laughs> so, at that point, seeing how sm- I knew my kids were smart, I-, I knew I knew my kids were smart, and so there I went to, I transferred and went to Lincoln Land, and the teacher that had uh, an influence on me there, she actually ended up being my academic advisor at Lincoln Land, and so I went on and got my associate degree. And uh, I've been back and forth with my bachelor, seemed like forever, but I am getting ready to. <laughs> last class. I'm in my last class, statistics, and I will have my bachelor's in psychology. And I intend to move forward with getting my uh, accreditation to be a psychologist. <laughs> but here, here is, uh, I think that something that uh, needs to be mentioned, uh, Linda, is that uh, when you talk about education, because we Education always have been just paramount. It's, it's just foremost with us. But at every turn, they was trying to take Frank and Andre and put them in special education. Yeah. At every yeah. turn. At every turn. No, no. And that's what we... K through we, 12, we I fought that. To, you K have through to, 12, I fought you have, that. You yes. have to be... And that's what the, the busy... I, I talk with a teacher... Uh, well, uh, uh, an administrator out of Southeast School. The biggest budget is special education. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It definitely you, is. What, what is that saying? Now, talk about how they tried to put Frank and Andre in special education and how we had to fight throughout the years. And neither it. one of them. Neither it. one. You have to fight it. The first thing I noticed when I, when I kept dealing with uh, every time they would call for a meeting or a parent-teacher conference, it was always this special class. And so it was always, well, how does that impact their regular curriculum? You're, so if he's got this many classes, then this is another class. So how does that fit in there? And so I start, I began to put together, you're singling him out and you're putting him over here for no, for no really justifiable reason. And so... With Frank, the oldest, a lot of energy. Just this kid, oh, my God, he had a lot of energy. And But as an educator, you didn't pick up. He learned fast. Hmm. Bored. He, Frank, and, and I described Frank, K through 12, if you give him a blink of a second, he will build a bomb <laughs> and detonate it. And the thrill is he survives. to do it again again. you know hot diggity so it was like give him something to do and so with him 
I'm having, you know, they wanted to label him ADHD. And it's like, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with this boy. He's Feed just medicine. bored. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. And then I began to notice, I started to pay attention to the school district from the outside, from the political uh, standpoint, what kind of dollars was going in here. And I started to notice that every time dollars came in for a special education class, it was like, number one, males were targeted, and number two, black males, and now we have black males and Hispanics that are in these classes. And so I began to notice that every time there was new money for this class, my kids were being targeted. So with Frank, I started to deal with give him extra work. Well, one teacher I got all these students. I can't deal with one kid being ahead of the other ones. I'll do it. Send his work home to me. I will make sure he gets it done. But, okay, the flip side of that, Frank has to be held accountable for himself. So I came up with my own discipline report that he had to get signed by every one of his teachers every day with a comment of his behavior. Mom, I'm getting tired of this. Well, then stop acting the way you're acting. Mm-hmm. But you will know when to tell me to stop giving you this report to turn in every day. Because when he did not bring it home or something was missing, you got consequences, dude. Yeah. So when he got tired of doing that, he adjusted his behavior. He came home and said, you no longer have to do this. Okay, Andre. Then there's a third part of this, and I'll make it quick. Then there's Andre. Andre is like fourth grade. MC Hammer is the man. He <laughs> loves MC Hammer. Oh, he could do the MC Oak Hammer. Town, baby. Oh, my goodness. He could do the MC Hammer. He took it all the way to Oak Yeah. Town, so Andre is in class one day. And he and Frank were both going to the same school. And so uh, I get a call. I have to come to the school right away to get Andre. So I go to his classroom first. He's in the classroom by himself with the door locked. I can't get into my child. And so I rush into the office. Why is my child in this room by himself? And the door is locked. And the principal and the teacher meet me. And it's like he was in there dancing. And they felt he was a threat to the <laughs> class. <laughs> He did the typewriter. I was going to say the typewriter had a... Hey, that's that's a good defensive slide he got, though. He was doing the typewriter. So you evacuated the entire class for this. So from there, we need to have a conversation about a special class that he needs to be in. Okay. At that point, I'm fed up. For doing this. I am totally fed up. I yanked both of them out of that class. I got them in the school that I wanted them in. And I managed their education throughout. So the first thing I started doing is letting them know you are, again, they have to be held accountable too. You cannot just bust out and do the typewriter in the middle of class. You can, you cannot. 
You're, you, this is where you began to deal with you, you. You are progressive in terms of them being responsible and being held accountable. Frank, you cannot build a bomb. All right. So now what we're going to do, you're going to be in charge of your own parent teacher conferences. You are going to manage and control what happens in that classroom. And the only thing I'm going to do is show up. And if I feel like I need to insert myself, I will. I sat in the back and I set them in the front and they were able to convey there again, knowing how to talk for yourself, represent yes. yourself, defend yourself, because it got to a point with Frank where he was just not going to be able to deal with this one particular teacher. No matter what happened, I cannot deal with her. I'm not comfortable with her. She makes me feel uncomfortable. And she's just, this is not going to work. You tell her that. And so he told her, you, this is not going to work. I need to get out of your class. And so she looks at me and Leonard and she's like, well, how is he allowed to say that? Leonard said, <laughs> Frank turned around. He said, you turn back around and you tell that woman what you told us. He said, I don't like you. Flat out. And she said, well, I don't know if he should be allowed to tell me that. Yes, he can tell you he don't like you. He should be able to yeah. tell you he don't like you. And you need to sign that paper that he can get out of this class or I'm going to sit in that chair. And I don't think you want me sitting you in that like chair. Me. So she signed. So <laughs> this is, you know, so it, it's, it, but when, you, but give kids that support, give mm -hmm. kids that platform to go into that school system and say, I'm not special ed. Mm -hmm. I am normal. Mm -hmm. You just don't know how to deal with me. Mm -hmm. And I need to be in a classroom where somebody needs to match my intellect, but also grow me. But uh, one more quick talk thing. About, talk that about class, that, that exceptional child. I took a class, a psychology class called The Exceptional Child. That is a workbook of how to put our children in special education. Mm -hmm. What stands out the most is... The Hispanic kids, there is not enough bilingual teachers. So there's a language barrier. Mm -hmm. So instead of addressing that, they are putting those children in special education. That was, it's been some challenging classes that I've taken in the last few wow. years. But that was the most challenging. Also, how they are being coming into our neighborhoods and observing our children and their behavior and their lifestyles. And they taking that and determining how they're going to treat they're our staying. children. They're actually, they're, they're you paying, have teachers they're paying the for their housing to stay in our neighborhoods and monitor our kids 24 hours a day. And if you get that book, you can go on Amazon and get it. It's called the exceptional, exceptional child. child. And it's a workbook. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. the but that's what child. we're dealing with. But it's I I I know that to be true because my mom went through the same um, the, the same thing where I was always they were always trying to put me in a special ed class and it was my mom had to fight 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 
And there was one time I remember. Uh, this is crazy. I, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. But uh, there was one time I remember coming home from school from the small bus. And it was like, <laughs> I'm not even, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, I'm, 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 I'm on this short bus. And there's this kid up here. And this kid up here, he... He does need this class. So it was like, Mama, what's going on? And she said, Don't worry about it. I got your back. What? Yeah. And so everybody doesn't have somebody though. No. So you know? I'm like, man, I, 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 I what's going on here? You know? So yeah, I fought K through twelve. That, and that is true because me in the fifth grade. It was tried on me too. See, yeah. it really was, See? and my mom was same thing. She was not going for it right. at all. And you can't even let them. You can't even let them say certain like, "Well, we want to try this program trial. here." Yeah, and then as soon yeah, as you put them in that program, Todd, Todd, you hitting on it. You yeah. are labeled. It's, it's coded language. Convi- yes. it's coded language. You are convicted, mm-hmm. and you are labeled, and it follows you throughout. And I was not going to, they weren't getting my two. They and, and, were and, not and, getting. And this is the conversation on this platform we should be having. Right. Because other parents are encountering the same stuff. Because, Todd, you hit something on the head. Don't let it get started. Don't let it get started. If, if, you, if, if, if it's a crack in the door, they get you. Because Andre do. had a stutter. And that's common in the males in our family. And it gets worse as they get older. Well, he was considered for special ed. But you don't notice that he he stutters. He doesn't like to speak. Uh, he doesn't like to answer. I mean, he's just, you know, real reclusive. So instead of getting to the root of that problem, you say he needs special ed. So I dealt with Andre and his stuttering from the standpoint of at home you had to read certain you had to read certain books you had to use, you had to say certain words you talk about the newspaper but reading the newspaper yeah reading the, yeah I, I had them read the newspaper and the bottom, and he had to stand in the middle of the floor with cousins and friends and everybody and you know if you get up there and dance you can get up here and read this <laughs> yeah so the bottom line is you know the thing is is that I dealt with him with his speech problem and then also dealing with, and it's unusual, I have a stutter and that's unusual for a female in our family to have a stutter. So I learned to deal with mine is that as you are speaking and the words are coming, you're thinking about the words that you're getting ready to say. You know your subject matter, so you know what you want to say. So when you come up on a word that you know is going to be challenging, just insert another word in there and just keep it moving. But if you have to stop and pause for a minute, then you stop and pause and pick that word, that next word up, and you keep going. And so you cannot even, I can see it, but unless you just really know Andre like I know Andre, you don't know Andre has a, a, he has a very slight stutter. And the same, you can't even pick it up with me either. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that didn't require him to go into special education. Mm -hmm. And for me, at his level of academics, he didn't even need speech therapy. You just needed to engage him. That's all you needed to do. Mm-hmm. So, no, they wasn't getting my two. They weren't getting mm-hmm. mine. Well, working in the district, that that hearing that pisses me off. I mean, you know, just knowing that that's a fact. 
But what I want what I want to know is, can you please let the listeners know what Andre's grade as a um, student athlete did for the Arizona? Yeah. Uh, and you know what is that that letter I, I I know I have it somewhere but I need to find it yeah but anyway is that uh Andre uh was drafted number nine after two years at the University of Arizona and it was the 100th year of the program existence. And during that period, they had the highest grade point average in the history of the program. And Coach Olson attributed to Andre. Wow. That's because true. Andre Andre is the is the uh, consummate student athlete. Mm-hmm. It, it, when, uh, mm-hmm. With sending Andre 3,000 miles away, I was concerned about how he would do academically because just like what you asked, Charles, education was first and foremost mm-hmm. in our household. So when I sat down with the, uh, with the academic uh, uh, staff, they told me that whatever he did in high school, it was going to translate in college. Mm-hmm. So that's something to be said. How your child deals with education at this level is going to determine how they're going to deal with it throughout their life. When they told me that that's it was going to translate from high school to college, it was done deal. Yeah. Because Andre and Frank, too. Oh, yeah. Andre is smart. Because it was pushed in the household, it was it was something that was important, and that's what we have to translate to our kids on an ongoing basis. And in fact, uh, two years ago, Thanksgiving, we was out. Mustafa Shakur went to uh, college with Andre, mm-hmm. and uh, I was telling that story. Well, a couple of things happened there. We was at the table, and uh, during the period that Andre. Uh, went uh, 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 off to college, we was building a new home, and uh, we had uh, bought a new vehicle, uh, an Audi. And Frank was saying, everybody was saying, yeah, I was getting it. Yeah, I was getting money. Frank, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Frank is a finance major. <laughs> Frank looked over and said, he said, yeah, I was getting money. I said, I said Frank, we didn't take any money. And Andre looked at uh, looked at looked at uh, 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 looked at Frank and said, "We wouldn't be here now if they would have taken money." Now, we didn't all the things that they talk about with uh, uh, athletes and, and and top level athletes, money, this, that, and whatever, it is true. Mm-hmm. They got a bag; they'll leave for you. <laughs> If you want that bag, but we wanted to make we sure we did not mortgage Andre. We wanted to make sure Andre, when he signed his contract, he owed no one. He, he was zeroed out as the individual. And Andre has always been in total control of his money. And that's not by accident. That's because that's the way in which we did it. But anyway, at that same uh, uh uh, at that same Thanksgiving dinner, Mustafa Shakur, he looked at Andre. He said, that's the, that's the season I had a 3.0. Mm-hmm. 
And it was mm-hmm. all, and Andre and Mustafa are very close individuals, yep. but that is the influence that Andre has on on people. Andre is, I'm telling you. Because his daughter his is brother, 10 years old in the sixth grade. Uh, l- mm-hmm. Let me say, Sean, wow. Sean, yeah. let, me, let me say this. Yeah. Let me say this. Yeah. Let me say this. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. God gave me the gift is that education, you know, unlike Linda, man, education means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. I can get through whatever. Because, you know, I prepare myself. Andre is one of the smartest individuals. I ever met in my life. You can, he 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 can see things four and five steps up ahead of time. Never met anybody like him. It take uh, his ex coach uh, Steve Kerr to I've never seen him talk about Andre, but for him to talk about him to us he is, is to sit back and marvel at our our son because we were steps. in. Uh, That's y'all. I forget where we were at when he sat at the table and talked to us. Yeah, 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 Steve, Steve. Steve just, they came and sat down at the table with us. We were in Dallas. We was in Dallas. Yeah, we were in Dallas. Mm. And the whole coaching staff came and sat down with us, which Andre doesn't like that. (laughs) It mainly get away from my mom. He will yank me in a minute and talk to my mom. He don't want us anywhere when we were with him. He just want us. He just want us us one-on-one. He don't want us dealing with nobody else. And and he make it unbearable for us to deal with someone. And and, and, and Steve Steve Kerr, the stuff he, the things he said about Andre is he, he was he was, you know, Andre's the most, he's not the easiest person to get along with either. And no, it, it, when you talk about your kid acts and looks like you, that one is a mirror of me. And at times I cannot yeah. stand me. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my God, he is an exact replica of me. And we look so much alike. He, yeah. he has this thing of, he will just sit and stare at me, and it's like, please stop doing he love that. His mother. He <laughs> loves his mother. Because he can't. He loves his mother. It's like how much he looks like me, and he just stares at me, and it's like I'm trying to break her down or something. It's like, just that's weird. Stop doing that. <laughs> and then his daughter is, she's like our triplet. She's an exact replica. Frank me. calls two to three times daily. Every day. Every day. FaceTime. And not only if he's not calling, his son is calling. Little Frank calls. Just calls. On the, That's on awesome. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it is a uh, uh, special. Yeah, <laughs> it is special. And, and 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 like you were saying, it's 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 very easy to see now with having you both here and you know knowing Andre's story, reading his book, and to hear him being able to speak so freely, speak intelligently, yeah. speak confidently. I see where the foundation (laughs) come from and how important that development was to bring the superhero that we know of today. Mm -hmm. Own the man you are. Yeah. Own who you are. He's not scared. He was never raised in that level of fear where you were scared to be yourself. Mm -hmm. Scared Mm -hmm. of your words Mm -hmm. and scared Mm -hmm. of just you, your physical Mm -hmm. appearance, anything. You're not, you don't Mm -hmm. be scared of anything. And and, and we always was advocates for them. Mm -hmm. When we went into Especially, you know, because the the school system was what was paramount, you know, with the teachers conferences and, you know, having maybe having a few issues. They knew we had their backs. Mm -hmm. Now they could now you're going to own up to your responsibility. But first and foremost, every time they walked in or wherever they was at, 
They knew they had two people that was going to be back behind them. Good, bad, or indifferent. So important. That's that's important. Now, you know, that's there important. Was times when, especially with Frank, when I would walk in, because I did surprise visits. I, I didn't have a car to my name. <laughs> I bet you I could make, because I, I'd walk, I'd, ca- I'd ride did. a bike, I'll catch the bus, mm. I'll borrow a car. No excuses. If yeah, I got in did. that school, and they if, and it was always one of Frank's little knucklehead friends that, your mama here. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Frank, somebody tell Frank his Alert. mama here. <laughs> and I would be, I'd be at that door, and they would not know I was at that door. And if, if it wasn't right, I'd open that door. Come here. Mm-hmm. And we, Ooh, we need, we, yeah, we need Ooh, to talk. Keeps you honest. We yeah, need to talk. Yeah, it does. And, you know, and Andre, who was, you know, he's. He don't feel like he, he did anything, he, never. Andre feels like. And he like really he, was he, a good He was kid. a good child. It he was a good child. When, when, especially how bad my kids were. <laughs> but, but when you look at, he's the youngest. It's yeah, the same he, he thing learned the me. game early. See, I was six or seven. <laughs> I never got caught doing none of the stuff my yeah, older siblings did, but I did the same thing they did. I learned the game. Right. And that's all Andre <laughs> that's did. That's what he said, he, too. And Andre did. He said, so I watched said, everything said, I stupid watched Frank did, and <laughs> I just didn't get caught. Did. And so, but he still looked at times when he when he got whooped. That it he was didn't. like, he didn't do he anything. Didn't deserve no. When, when, <laughs> when I, when, you know, at the time, being a single mom, it was like, there were times when I got Frank, I just went ahead and got Andre because he. I know you're thinking about it. I know you're thinking about it. It's the pre-whooping. And then there was, then it was times when I would get Frank and I get him because you didn't get caught. You gonna slip up somewhere? So you need to You need to step your game up. So you know he he talks and he talks a little bit. It's somewhat about that in the book of you know and that's that. She wasn't no joke. Yeah. No, I was you. And mm-hmm. I worked two jobs and I was going to school full time. You thinking about it or you did it? I'm going to go on and get you. Get you. I'm going to just go ahead and get you. And we're so we're going to call it one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and he, and you know, that that's funny. The story again, another story. It's funny we're here because a friend of our, we, Leonard and I got married. They were old enough to be at home by themselves. We go to Vegas for our honeymoon. We leave them two at home. And they don't know we told our friend, a friend of ours, to just spot check on them, watch the house. Pop up. So she did. <laughs> she did a pop-up, opened the door. It was a full-blown party at oh, yeah. house. <laughs> Frank opens the door, saw her, and slammed the door. <laughs> and he had to open it back up. He opened it back up. Now... We really not supposed to be telling this story because we promised we would never we would never tell the story. So it's out there. So she made us promise we wouldn't tell. So she told him, "This is what we gonna do. I'm gonna leave and come back in an hour. You better have this house emptied out and clean and put back together, and it'll be our secret." So she came back. 
Andre hollering, I wasn't doing anything. She saw, she said, Andre was the first one I saw. He, you know, he, you know, Andre was a dancer. He doing, he doing the type right. He doing the type right. <laughs> so, so we, we never said anything to her. We never let the cat out the bag or anything because she told us, she said, and she waited a while before she told us. Oh, and so we still haven't told them to this day that we, we knew about that party. But see, there again, I never made Frank responsible for Andre. Because right. you know that's in our a, that's era, another key. our yeah. era, the yeah. older siblings oh, yeah. were responsible for, for sure. the younger. You and, about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And my older sister, there's there's friction with us because she yeah. was responsible she for she me. Don't like and the bottom line is is that so she don't like me. It's friction. So I'm associated <laughs> with it. She, she she lets me know. You know they pass by and they look at you like you know. But that but yeah. that carries she don't, over. That, it does carry you, on. when yeah. you look she at the level because, right, because because the things that I did she was held accountable mm-hmm. for it but I never made Frank responsible for right. Andre what right. Andre did was what Andre mm-hmm. did and what Frank did it was Frank did mm-hmm. so had our friend told us about that situation I would not have just only made Frank responsible because when I left the one thing I said was you're both responsible for yourself mm-hmm. anything going on in my house if you did it I'm going to get you mm-hmm. if Andre did it and Frank did mm-hmm. I'm not going to get Frank uh, and, and and you talked about uh, uh, Sean your, 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 your son is driving now uh-huh. Frank had uh, we, we left to go to St. Louis <laughs> and so I left Frank with the nobody uh, saw the, the look on my face but that, uh, 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 they, uh, mm-hmm. I left uh, uh, the second vehicle with Frank everybody was telling me not to do it just don't give Frank the call. I mean, people were coming. Mainly your no, wife. People, not Linda, number one. But it was actually people coming by the house, knocking on the door. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't, do, don't, it, don't do this. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Now, man, what are you leaving man, out? No, we what are you leaving we, out? He got his driver's license that day. Oh, no, don't do it. Don't okay, do it. so <laughs> we get to... We're on our way to St. Louis. We're on our way to St. Louis. I think we get to, to uh, Milepost 88. We get to Litchfield. <laughs> he remembers the Milepost. The car is total. Oh. <laughs> it's total. <laughs> right at the Legion on 15th and what's that? No, 18th, 18th, 18th and Edwards. And, and, uh, no, no, it was 18th and Edwards because Yvonne stayed on 18th and Edwards. <laughs> it happened in front of her house on the 18th Street side. Trust and believe, I remember this. He told her <laughs> that he was not hurt. That's, that was that's the main thing. thing. And, and then he the, had um, an old Mercedes and that it was just, unblemished. It just it's just crushed. The Mercedes did it's not just, have a scratch. German engineering. It's just the crushed. Honda, the Honda, the whole front end was Everything gone. was just, it was total. But they, I mean, people was coming by the house. Please don't leave. Uh, don't leave. <laughs> I told him, just have him. He loved that he could go back to the school, pick up Andre and bring Andre home. I just want to do too that much. That was yeah. all practice. Yeah. I said, just leave him with that. Just leave him with, go pick up Andre, bring the car back home, and my sister was going to pick the keys up. 
We get to Litchfield, the car told him. Told he on the phone crying. Am I going to get in trouble? No, you're not no, going to get in trouble. trouble. Leonard going to get in trouble. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard shouldn't have let Everybody you told that car. Everybody. That's a, that's a rough ride on the way to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. the rest of the no, way. Oh, no, we man, went on we the right on to St. Louis. We went and had... Plenty of fun. <laughs> he he wasn't hurt. My sister got, my sister dealt with the accident. Yeah, His did, friend came and got the car, made us. sure the car was we towed, and we went on to, to St. Louis. Uh -huh. To St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, he was fine. And once he knew he wasn't getting in trouble, he, he just stayed at my sister's house, and he was fine. And it was the whole weekend. You know that was your fault. Man. You know that was your fault. You should not have. He just got his license that day. It was still green. <laughs> they say he was flying. <laughs> Had the music up loud. Oh, you was having a good time for a minute. For a minute. Like a kid that should not have had that vehicle. Uh -huh. I'm just and glad. And he shouldn't he have even been out. on that side I'm of town. Because we, we didn't live on that side. We Andre didn't go to school on that side. He was high side. So, yeah, so but that that was okay. He, he made it out okay. And so You live and you learn. Yeah. 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 And then you go through it when you have kids. Yeah, yeah. And and these this is just good lessons for other parents that's yeah. coming up through and so forth. Don't give them that car on the day they get the license. <laughs> Not day one. Not day one. Not day one. <laughs> I, I remember my day one. I, my mom didn't even know. <laughs> that's how you do it. I wasn't in an accident, but I wasn't paying attention one hundred percent. And I hit that curb real, real close to the tree that was right on the curb. So I could have been, yeah, yeah, in the same, in the same exact uh, was, situation. Was you on that insurance yet? Oh, I was in, oh yeah, he was on that oh, insurance. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know if Frank was he on this. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. He knows all did. about that now. She didn't have insurance, so she, she so didn't want to deal with it. She just said no. I don't. And it wasn't a it wasn't nothing guy. wrong with the Mercedes. So. Yeah, she yeah, just she said no. Good. I didn't want to deal like with it. Tank. And so uh, it was like okay, it was a wash, but mm. it was like no, you shouldn't have gave that boy that car. Because <laughs> you gave the boy that car. Yeah. Now that car gone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gone. So. It, it was amazing having both of you on the podcast. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? But before you do that, let them know where they can find your your okay. book. Okay, the book is uh, Mikey P. Pardee Seasoned. Uh, you can get this on Amazon. It's on any major book uh, 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 venue. But uh, for me, uh, if you go to Fab Enterprise, that's F-A-B Enterprise.com, you can uh, uh, buy the book on there. And it'll come directly from me. So, and yeah, it's $20. Yeah, $20, $20 if you order from fabenterprise.com. Right. Uh, yeah, because it's, uh, if you go on Amazon, it's about $25 or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it'll yeah. be more feasible to buy it through, uh, through us. But no, I don't, it's just been excellent just to uh, sit and just to talk. I, uh, we, it seemed like we were uh, getting ready for this early on and did not know it because we've been talking about all these things. Uh, it was six hours to drive to uh, 
Ohio. Uh, Ohio and six hours back. So we've had plenty of time just to sit. And these are the things that we talked about. So it's yeah, just really yeah. just amazing yeah. and p- profound. Yeah. So, so we I think just if, I, are, if we had to uh, to leave anything uh, with the listening audience uh, I, from a from a parent standpoint, I, I would leave. And, and it's most critical and most important. And this is something I always say is. Invest in your kids. Invest in Invest 100% in your kids. If they have dreams, whatever their aspirations are, believe in them. Mm-hmm. Believe but, in them. And, it, and it's one thing when we're on the road talking with kids, the abundance of them, because you know who we are, Andre's parents, they talk about NBA, NFL. We never discourage them. We, If that's what you want to do, you can get it done. It's all according to what you want to put in. But however, you always have to have education. Education is paramount. It should be first. And I'm not even dealing with the statistics. You may not be able to get here or whatever because I'm not going to take that away from them. But they do need an occupation in, in addition to being a, a, a football store or a basketball store. So I'll say this so. real quickly, and, and, and this is to follow up your point real quickly, is that right now Andre is in between teams. Andre has, has a job with Comcast. Andre went and got a job, another yeah. job. Where did he used to intern? Uh, Beryl Lynch and uh, Bloom. Did, I know he did a lot of stuff with Bloom. Oh, wasn't that during the lockout? No, he did. That was doing during the lockout. Yeah, 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 yeah he yeah, did. Yeah. Oh, that's, the that's, that's bad, right there. Right, he right. Just, on the stock, he was on the stock market. And he that's, that's just, right there, he just finished another with Merrill Lynch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just finished another internship, mm-hmm. and so right now, you know, <laughs> challenges with the NBA. And that's what he, when I talked with him Wednesday, too, he said, Mom, I got another job. Mm-hmm. And I said, where, where, where are you working man. at? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Comcast has started this new uh, division uh, where they're wanting to uh, invest in startups. And mm-hmm. Andre is leading that di- mm-hmm. division. And so he's, you know, so they have to understand it's a business. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, again, real quickly, we said to Andre when he was in college, when we had some individuals that passed word to us, on to us through some friends, that they understood Andre was having problems with a paper and that they would write the paper for him. We called Andre and we told Andre about this. And Leonard said to Andre, now understand this. If you let them people do your month, your your paper, they're going to count your money. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if you don't want somebody counting your money, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. learn your math. Right. You learn your craft, what, what, business of it. We, he, uh, and then we asked, what will it take in order for you to get through this paper? He said, I don't have a laptop. We got a credit card and went and got him a laptop. Everything is history. That's part of the uh, uh, achieving with the 100 year of the, the program and so forth. Right, like that. He's right, just, right. And it, know, it's everything mm-hmm. in investing in yourself. Investing you, in just, the kids. I just shared this with a group of kids. You are your own business. Mm-hmm. You have to be the hardest working person. You got to be, you know, the janitor's job. You know, the secretary's mm-hmm. job. You know, the security guard's job. You know, your job. If any one of those areas fail, you got to fill in. So in order for your business to be successful, which is you, mm-hmm. you got to do everything. Mm-hmm. And you got to mm-hmm. be the hardest working person. You mm-hmm. got to be the one there until midnight, one, two, three o'clock in mm-hmm. the morning. And he... 
he and Frank, they 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 understand right. that Frank got three jobs. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he Frank does. got, three, he got jobs. three jobs. He drives but, Uber and Lyft. He, 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 estate, he, he does real estate. Me. He does a black. It's called black label. Black label, which is you know upscale properties. Uh, and he's a uh, he's a college yeah. ref. Yeah. Oh wow. So yeah. he, he, and he know. does it all and Shout maintains a very beautiful relationship with his he's son. a good father he's, he's a good he's father. An excellent father so I mean, you know Frank. but you yeah. know but he he's got a goal something he's trying to achieve and the only person that can achieve that is him so you know when when someone comes to me and they're fourth or fifth grader and they're telling me this kid wants to be in the NBA. How about he just being a kid and just have fun for right now? Because you don't get those days back. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing we did with Andre and Frank. We made sure they were kids and that they enjoyed their childhood because there's nothing worse than a 70-year-old man acting like he's 21. (laughs) Well, you know, we ran into uh, uh, our parents that uh, <laughs> we ran into parents whereas that their kids had the potential to be uh, 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 mega uh, stars maybe on the collegiate or on the professional level. They were living through their kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's sad. And you, 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 I mean, it's and they have impeded this kid from achieving what he could achieve. And it's a he, that's the reason I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and we've tried to reach out and help. And they've told us we don't need any help now. Andre been in the thing seventeen years. Yeah, I think I got some I can offer. Ah, you yeah, tell them yeah. something. 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 I mean, it may not be major, but something. Something. Yeah. Okay. But excellent. Okay. Again, we thank you guys. Um, continued blessings and good luck with everything, um, listeners. You heard all of that. That was an amazing podcast, and you already know what it is. This is Intentional Danger Field. <laughs> <laughs>